The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. All right, good Monday. It's Jay. It's Keith. We're talking ETSU. We've got a mystery guest, which you've already yelled at me about before we went on air about not yes. saying again. Don't say it. I Don't won't. say it. Let the mystery play itself out. All right. So I won't say anything about that. I also want to talk a little bit. Uh, we're obviously going to talk ETSU men's and women's basketball. And uh, then we'll talk whatever the mystery guest wants to talk about. Uh, but I want to know what in the wide world of Sanford is going on because uh, they were both leading very comfortably this time last week. And a couple of L's on the men's side and now a couple of L's on the ladies' side and everything is on its head. Furman with the win over UNCG. I think if the tiebreakers went right now, Furman would be your number one seed. Sanford would be two, UNCG three, but that's all moot because they've got eight games left. They're all eight and two, all sitting at the top of the conference lead. On the men's side, four and five is Wofford and Western. As they continue to, I, I don't, I don't know who they are or what they are, but they did win at VMI, although it was a little tighter, and I think they wanted it. And then Chattanooga, Mercer, Citadel, ETSU, all four and six, and then of course VMI. Um, the only thing for sure we do know. Well, I guess we know the top three teams are still the top three teams, but VMI 0-10. And then the- I don't know where VMI is going to win four games to try to get into the fight to not be the 10. No. Yeah, it's, a, it's not good. I, I still think they're going to accidentally win one. They may run an apology. They, they might win one. But, uh, no, uh, one. Yeah. I'm giving one. I, remember we did the half? I gave you a half and you said under. That's true. I did. They might get one, but I still don't. I don't even know that they get one. Yeah, and then on the women's side, Wofford, two huge road wins, a statement, I think, at Mercer, at Sanford. They're now tied with Sanford 5-2, and two, although, the, you know, if it ended today, the old if it ended today, they would be the number one seed because the only time they played Sanford, they won. And then don't look now, but the streaking ETSU Buccaneers, Brandon McBrown, four straight wins, hottest team in the league. They're at 4-3 and three with Chattanooga and Mercer. UNCG a step behind at 3-4. and four. Western now 2-5 and five have climbed out of the basement with the big win at Chattanooga and Furman at 1-6. and six. So, you know, 2 through, I thought 7 were going to be set and Western 8. So, Western has thrown a, a monkey wrench there. I told you that Western Carolina beat Chattanooga and you just looked at me like I had said – uh, I, I don't know what like taco bar in the in the conference room or something like there's a free taco bar that says exclusively for Jay Sandoz in the conference room. It's all yours. How do we make that happen? Um, well, you'd have to buy it, oh, yeah, and then we, then you'd have to set it up in the conference room. And to be surprised that I bought it. And you would probably yeah, and you'd have to <laughs> surprise yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe you could get Doc to do that for your birthday. Could, could you talk? Could you talk him into that? I, I could. I could. I could. I mean, no, oh, I don't know. That I could. I could talk to him about it. You could ask him about it. Say. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun idea. Well, that's uh, remember in Parks and Rec when Leslie Nope remembers Ron Swanson's birthday. It's uh, a very large ribeye steak, a fine glass of or bottle of scotch, 
and uh, a marathon, a 24-hour marathon of Westerns in a locked, well-appointed room where no one can find him. And it's just like, that's that's the kind of thing that I feel like you would you would enjoy a great deal. I would. I would. I, anything that Ron Swanson enjoys, I think I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, except I, I think I like people more than he does. Uh, he, he did not appear to like people. So... Um, some days you do, some days you don't. Well, no, that's a thousand percent. Uh, that is correct. But I, you know, we'll, we'll probably do later this week, uh, like we try to do a, a deeper dive into the league. I know got good feedback from the the previous one, and so, um, and again, I think it's not just ETSU fans. I think we we hear from other fans, kind of curious our take uh, on it. And I said that I thought Firm and Men were were looking a little different and starting to look the part, and with the 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 two games this we said you know if they lost those i mean you're talking about yep. a 6 and 4 team and they're probably not in the running you know with a a, a one loss at that time Sanford i guess a one loss UNCG if they just beat the uh, beat Furman but now they're right back in it they're uh, you know the hottest mm-hmm. team in the league they won four straight so on the men's side Furman's the hottest team in the league on the women's side ETSU's the hottest team in the league so uh, interesting and let's start with the women in doubleheader because i mean it was an unbelievable showing the last four games. I mean, all double-digit wins. Last week, they were all, what, 20-point wins? Uh, the yeah, two home 31 games? and 20. So, 20-plus, 20 uh, you know, two road wins, double digits, then two home wins, 20 or more. But now the road's going to get a little bit tougher, and we'll fully break down ETSU and Chattanooga later this week. But they're going to go to the three teams that knocked them off at home. Chattanooga, Mercer, Furman. Now, no Neil Tyser for Mercer, clearly showing some signs there. Chattanooga, not really using much of a bench. We'll see how <laughs> they play down there. Yeah, that's understatement, I know. And then um, for Sanford, I'd be kind of curious, you know, the loss. You know, and Wofford, give Wofford credit. They've got – between Wofford and Chattanooga, I think they're trying to battle on who – refuses to use the bench more or who doesn't have a bench or however you want to word that on the women's side. Yeah. Neither I mean, 188 minutes I think played by the starters by Wofford and 182 or by yeah, by starters by Wofford and 182 in the Chattanooga game I think were by starters. I'd have to go back and add that. I could be off a little bit on on Chattanooga's, but for sure Wofford I remember there's only 12 minutes uh by bench players. Uh it was 187 of the 200 minutes for Chattanooga starters. Yeah, so like again, it'll be curious to see, yep. especially yep. getting a three-day tournament, three in a row. I got questions about, you know, teams that don't necessarily have particularly great depth. But Wofford threw seventy-seven on the board again. Uh, you oh, know. I, I'm sorry, I had that wrong. Uh, I I just completely glossed over Brooklyn Crouch because I didn't think anybody off the bench for Chattanooga would play twenty minutes. Um, 167 of the 200 for Chattanooga starters in a. 56-48 loss to Western Carolina. I'm just shocked he got 20 minutes out of somebody off the bench. Yeah. Um, Crouch, okay. Yeah, Crouch scored six points. Was there foul trouble? One assist. Um, uh, yes. Uh, Olaf's daughter fouled out in 29 minutes. So that's – yes, that, that, is, that is why that happened. But well, let's, let's talk about the, the women's win. And, again, just an outstanding – um, display, but now they're starting to knock down outside shots, and I think that's maybe the biggest difference. They're still really good on the glass, 
But when the outside shots are starting to fall, um, you know, McDaniel was able to hit hit one. Um, you know, I, I they hit a couple. Foley yes. hit a couple. Moore uh, hit one. Well, and Nevaeh's not going back to back games with made threes, which she was, you know, one for twenty. One for 20, I believe, in the previous games leading up to the two for three against Western and then a couple threes. That's correct, yeah. So, uh, starting to come around in the outside shot. But, I, you know, watching the Bucks do what they do on the glass, you know, really try to stay connected defensively, which I think is another uh, strong suit. But I thought just a, another great all-around team game in which – you know, they've got star power, right? I mean, there is some stars, I think, on this women's team, but um, what's the popular term? The others. But the others have done a great job of stepping up. If they need a shot, they need a rebound, they need to make a defensive play. But you're starting to see Kendall Foley really start to round out as one of the, the better all-around kind of point guards in the league. We know Giselle Thomas can score and do it different ways. Nevaeh Brown, if she starts hit outside shots, because like 15 and in, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. And now Ja'Kai Davis playing well. And Jordan McDaniels off the bench getting rebounds. And you go yeah. on and on. Courtney Moore's hitting shots. Sarah Thompson, when asked to hit shots, is hit shots. It Megan is a Downey's collective been. effort. It's a collective effort uh, behind three really great individual scorers that play well together, set their teammates up for success, but then their teammates are also doing other things to help the team win games. And Jabo is the best example of that. You know, there have been times this year off the bench where you see Jakaya play 13 minutes, 17 minutes, 11 minutes, and... I don't know. That may, sometimes you, you get the sense that somebody might just be kind of going through the motions a little bit, and maybe it's just because they don't have enough time to get into a rhythm or they're not happy with their role. I couldn't really tell what it was, and I don't even know if that was anything, but there was kind of that perception there of, like, you have more to give. And when Jayla Rufus Milner went down for the season with a knee injury, I, I don't know. I think a switch flipped inside of Ja'Kiah Davis. And J-Bo has been fantastic the last four games just gobbling up opposing post players uh she ate grace grace van riser lunch in in greenville against Furman. uh just did not let her get anything going offensively she got a double double against wofford first one of the year tied a career high in block shots against western carolina and I thought she did a great job of holding Khalees Kane in check, the leading rebounder in the SoCon. She was she didn't lose that matchup. You know, you know, you say, well, she, maybe she didn't win it decisively, but she didn't lose that matchup, and that meaningfully contributed to the team not just winning, but winning the way they did. I love what I'm seeing from Jakaya right now, and it seems like as she's been asked to play some heavier minutes, play a bigger role. She played 31 on Saturday, and that's a season high, um, it seems like she really has come alive um, and, and we're seeing the best of Ja'Kaya Davis. And I think there's still more to give. If she keeps putting in this kind of effort and has this kind of fire and fight consistently for the next seven, eight games, at some point she's going to go off for 20 and 12 and we're going to go, wow, where did that come from? Or people are going to go because they're going to look at her stats. And not actually look at the effort that she's putting in right now and how she has elevated her game over the last two weeks in a big way to help this team get
get back on a winning track. She is a great example of how players who maybe aren't necessarily the stars of this team, because I think we can all agree, the attackers, Giselle Thomas, Nevaeh Brown, and then your point guard, Kendall Foley, are kind of the stars. And J-Bo, Courtney Moore, maybe a little bit more specialized players. Ja'Kaya is true rebounding, shot blocking, defend the lane big. Courtney is the 3 and D winger. She's the, um, trying to think of a good comparison. My, my brain keeps wanting to go back to like prime Tony Allen. Remember Tony Allen? That's a guy that he's not going to score 20, 30 points a game, but he's going to score eight, nine, knock down a couple threes and play great defense. And that to me is Courtney Moore uh, and the role that she's being asked to play right now and she's thriving in it. And I think the fact that this team has established roles, they play good fundamentals uh, and they're all in a mindset of we have more to give we're going to keep pushing. We are going to keep growing. And when you're doing that at the end of January and into early February, that's when you're really setting yourself up to peak right as the weather starts to turn, which is, of course, when you make the trip to Asheville. I cannot rule out this team winning the Southern Conference Tournament at this point. We will know a lot more about them once they go on the road. If they take two of the next three, then I think they're very much in the mix because Sanford on a neutral floor I don't think is unbeatable, even though they have, now that Neil Tyser is hurt and has missed significant time and is probably going to continue to miss significant time, I think Andrea Bailey is hands down the player of the year in the Southern Conference. Um, you know, that team I don't think is unbeatable by any means. Uh, if you ask me today who's going to play for the SOCON title, it'd be Sanford and somebody. But... Uh, we've seen them lose a couple games that I really, one of them I did not expect them, I did not expect them to lose to Wofford at home. That's a shocker. But ETSU is right there in the fight. This is a team that despite, that do not let the record fool you, do not let the 0-3 start fool you. This team is going to make noise in March if they continue to play like this. I Really want to see what the biggest difference. I know coaches brought up that uh, Jayla Rufus Milner's halftime speeches, and if you look at the third quarter numbers, the last four games uh, they have been quite incredible uh, for Coach uh, Rufus Milner and her pep talks. Maybe she's got a uh, motivational speaking gig down the road somewhere. Coach there. JJ, but Coach JJ, that's I, what that's, they they've kind of half jokingly called her Coach JJ now. Uh, and and yeah. you can see that and the Sanford game couple injuries, but you could feel a little of deflation with J.J.'s injury because it just was different. The non-contact, couldn't get up. I mean, it was a lot there. Knew kind of the, the season was over. I mean, they were waiting for the second opinion and some other things and, and fully, but for the most part, they, they, they kind of knew that was going to be it at that moment. And I think, you know, emotionally, I think it drained them. Sanford came out second half, you know, big third quarter, ended up winning the contest. But then ETSU had time to regroup, had to think about, okay, what's life without her? How do we do this? How do we do that? And they've been able to rattle off four in a row. Yep. And perfect example of coming together mm -hmm. and, you know, next next lady up. And that's exactly what they've done so far. And, you know, and I think they've done it in a variety of ways. I think they've done a nice job of Thomas trying to establish herself, Neve Brown starting to get, you know, comfortable in the shots she's trying to take. 
I think Foley, the last four games, has been incredible. I mean, obviously she's reigning, or at least last week, I guess that'll come out later today, who's the, the new player of the week, but she was the reigning Southern Conference player. Women do it on Tuesday. So for at least one more day, the yes. reigning Southern Conference player of the week. And, you know, and I think the post play has been, you know, Ja'Kai Davis knows her game. That's one thing about Davis, I'll say. You know, she doesn't do crazy things. Like, she knows Absolutely. where her shot is. She knows – what she when she should shoot it, what she should do. Um, I think ETSU's been able to use her defense, get out in transition, very good run in the break. And you were telling me about the little set shot jumper she has at the elbow, or set shot set shot jumper is not that's two different shots. The little set shot that she fires up from the elbow, little face up action, that sort of thing. Um, we're we're starting to see that out of her game a little bit more. I, I don't know if that's a trust thing. If you, she's earned the opportunity to be like, hey, you can take some shots from a little farther out. You know, you have the opportunity to stretch the defense a little bit more, and I don't know what it was, but she knocked down a couple of those against UNCG, and if that's something that's in her arsenal that defenses now have to respect, that's going to help Giselle Thomas and Nevae Brown get to the rim the way that they like to, because if you are having to pull what would normally be your help defender on the driver out of the paint to guard Jabo from range then now you are put in a position where Giselle Thomas against probably half the teams in the league has a mismatch by default. There is There are very few people in this conference. There are, what, 120 scholarship players in the SOCON, 15 scholarships across eight teams, be 30, 30 times four is 120. So 120 scholarships. If everybody's using all 15, there's 120 scholarship players. How many of them do you think can guard G- Giselle Thomas one-on-one? For eight seconds. Ugh, uh, Four? Uh, three? Two. Maybe. Yeah. And how many, and, and of those two, like, you're also going to be in situations where Thomas is coming off a screen. Or, um, you know, she's, you know, there, there, there are going to be situations where maybe that player's in foul trouble. And Giselle Thomas can take you to the rim and score because you have all of your players are legitimate threats to shoot from outside the cylinder. And the same thing is true for Neve Brown. Neve is going to get better looks because you're going to get more driving kicks. Um, you're not, you know, there's no one thing that this offense has to lean on. And if they don't get it, they're completely up a creek. There are options everywhere. And it, it's like, okay, well, this isn't here, but we can go to this. And we know that this is successful for us. With The, the three-point shot's not here. So we got to start driving a little bit more, attacking a little bit more. And those extra passes will open up and we'll get those three-point shots back. Uh, there are different ways, you know, drive and kick, drive and replace. So many different things that this offense does. They seem to have a counter for everything a defense throws at them right now. And that is when a team is at its most dangerous and the the chess match of staying ahead of the rest of the SOCON is going to be where I think this team really is able to get rolling because I don't think any of their last seven regular season games are unwinnable. Yeah, and the way they've been playing, you know, they're kind of the road, road warriors as well. I know we've joked about the men's team, but you look at the women's record on the road, obviously very solid. Um, their only road loss, Jay, is South Carolina. And they're pretty good, I heard. Uh, yeah, I've heard that too. So, uh, you know, they're going to go down there. Chattanooga kind of reeling. I don't know what to 
expect from Chad, except if they get a starter in foul trouble, they'll accidentally play some bench players and they could struggle. But that's going to be the game Saturday. Wofford Furman will have their game Saturday. The only uh, four teams that will play two games this week is Mercer will go to the Western North Carolina swing of Western Carolina, UNCG. Sanford also on that same trip. So now the, the thing is you finish the first round, but now there'll be the – some teams will play more than other teams and, and you know, kind of scoreboard watching second half of conference play. You can't help but scoreboard watch because the seeding start to really take shape. And usually I'll wait till this week. I wish I would have known earlier that the uh, West Carolina upset would have happened. And it was Carolina credit. How about the two teams they've beaten? Wofford and, and – uh, Wofford and Chattanooga. Chattanooga. I mean, if you – I mean – just shocking and just if you had told me just if I had only watched the Wofford game they played against ETSU and you told me that team was five and two I would have walked out of the room I was like you're crazy that team just doesn't have a yeah they just they're just completely unorganized but it's that's the thing that I noticed and I think UNCG does this too is when they're getting a lot of opportunities to get the ball in Faith Price's hands and Price is able to pull the trigger successfully a lot that's when they really have their best chance to win. So when Kane gets the rebounds, gets it back out to Wiggins, Wiggins gets it to Price, Price hits a ton of threes. That's pretty much their whole game plan. And I feel like Wofford is the same minus the rebounding, honestly, is they just take a ton of threes. They they don't move off of screens. They sit behind screens and spot up. Uh, I just... Yeah, those are teams that are going to be super hot and cold. ETSU, and I think Sanford as well, are more consistent. Those teams, you have a better idea of what you're going to get from them over the course of 40 minutes, over the course of 80 minutes in a weekend, over the course of the last 280 minutes of the season. You know what you're going to get from those teams more than you do from Wofford and UNCG. And that's why I think ultimately those two are going to rise to the top of the SOCON. Well, it's going to be a fun second half of the season. ETSU Chattanooga, that's a great way to kick off second half of the season. Yes, That'll is. be on Saturday. We'll preview that coming up on Woo-hoo. Thursday later this week. That's a look at our women's breakdown. For the men, eight missed layups. That's 20 in two games. Um, uh, They were perfect from the free throw line, which was shocking. And I don't know what Jaden Seymour uh, has done to his free throw shooting stroke, but that was was smooth. It was unbelievable. All net on all four of his free throws and looked confident. Just something. I don't know if there was a slight change or. Something he did on his own, or somebody suggested something. But when he hit the first couple free throws, I was like, "Okay, we'll get, we got a got a shot today," because that was one area I thought, "Oh, it's going to be a tight game." He tissue misses free throws, but Bucks were sixteen of sixteen from the line. Chattanooga was fifteen of eighteen. The main difference I thought was the fifteen no, sorry, twelve made threes by Chattanooga, six in transition, five of them from the far right corner. And Chattanooga has the weird – it's counterintuitive, right? When you're running back on transition defense and you see a guy beelining for the rim, right? You go take the guy at the rim. Mm-hmm. But that's what Chattanooga wants because they've got shooters in the corners. 
they want to get the ball to and they want to take those threes and get clean looks and that's what they did and they hit um six i think six of the 12 six of the 12 were corner threes i can look that up i'm almost positive it's six could be five but anyways they hit five or six right corner threes in transition and they were just killers and etsu I give Chattanooga credit for this, where they were not able to stay in front of ETSU and funneling everybody to Jake Stevens who wasn't there. They did not try to funnel anybody inside. Did a much better job of keeping ETSU on the outside. I thought the Bucks did a good job of still getting the ball inside or getting to the rim, but just too many opportunities from, from two to four feet being missed uh, by the Bucks. This is one where I think the depth really hurts you. You look at the bench production for the two teams, and you just imagine, okay, what if – Jamarius Hairston or Jaden Seymour were coming off the bench and you had another 10, 12 points from Josh Taylor. You know, or you had uh, 10 or 12 points from Justice Smith who uh, didn't really have a lot of opportunity to practice the last couple of days. What, what What happens if you have guys that you are able to lean on on your bench instead of having four of your five starters play 30 plus minutes of the basketball game? And I think the depth kind of hurt, especially when Chattanooga started to get out and run. I think you could see some heavier legs a little bit as guys didn't always get back when they needed to and, and things like that. Um, but on the other side of it, you know, ETSU just, this, this team has so much inconsistency in its offense. I, I don't think they are as good of a transition team as Chattanooga is. And I think that's probably something that comes down to your transition rules, right? Okay, we have the ball. We're going on offense. Where are our guys going? Who's our driver? Who's po- who's spotting up in the corner? Is there anybody spotting up in the corner for three? Um, who's your best three-point shooter to do that? Is it Hairston? Is it Seymour? Is it King? But then you take Jordan King off the ball, and that becomes a whole other deal or a deal to try to sort through. And uh, I just... I think this team doesn't have enough options to do the things it needs to do, and it's just a matter of the backcourt right now especially is super thin. Um, Well, if I could jump in just real quick, it also hurt that Justice Smith had an upper respiratory infection. Yeah, that's what I was saying. He didn't get to practice for, what, the two days before the game? He practiced two days, only had eight minutes. The couple shots he took, Bruce – uh, brought it up just the first thing it goes in those situations generally your legs you don't have the lift and you right. can tell he didn't have that so on top of already thin bench and thin guard play I, I think now that's when they at least get back quicker as opposed to not sure about Tipler obviously Taylor's out for a while but that hurt on top of everything else so instead of a solid eight-man rotation 100%. you really played seven and, yeah. and he's averaging nine points in league play and, and again his two shots weren't even near I mean they they drew iron but they weren't close right and if you have nine points from Justice Smith against Chattanooga, you probably win the game. I mean, I don't think Chattanooga, because you're taking away all the foul shots at the end because they're not fouling to stop the clock anymore, you probably win that basketball game. So the the lack of depth hurt. Um, lack of, I think, transition on both sides um, hurt. You know, Chattanooga executed better transition offense than ETSU did. Um, I don't know that ETSU has really been a particularly good transition offensive team all season. So that doesn't necessarily surprise me, but at the same time, it's a it's a little bit of a culmination of a lot of things that have plagued this team for much of the year, and it's disappointing to say the least. And I know they're disappointed, but 
there's a, I mean, there at least like you can point to actual things that are like this and this and this. There are X's and O's things. There are personnel things that you can attribute this to that we've known about for a while. There's nothing new. There's nothing shocking. There's nothing that's like suddenly out of left field. Like, uh oh, that's a red flag. All of the things that I just talked about are things that we know ETSU has had issue with for a long time, if not from the very beginning of the season. So we're at a point where we know who they are and who they are on a rough day kind of put them in a spot to lose at home to their their primary rival, which is frustrating. Wait, here, here, I'll, I'll ask you this, though. Would you rather, if you could only do one, would you rather beat them here or beat them at their place? If you could only they, get one. Well, I've, I have a personality flaw, so so their place, because I like watching their people leave angry. But then, okay. But then I guess they get me back for watching. Yeah. But you you get you get you got your first choice at least. I I did. You got I your did. first choice. I, I, I love trying to find and, some solace. Well, and and ETSU was up so much there, and I know ETSU fans about a minute ago were able to. Uh, start heading for the exits, but with basically three, four minutes ago, they were heading for the exits at Chattanooga. Yeah. Uh, let me walk you through this because this is – I've been trying to replay this in my head, and I just can't bring myself because it's Chattanooga and they want to go back and watch the actual sequence. But I thought – and it's easy to second guess, right? I'm not on the floor. I'm, I'm not there. But when ETSU down four – with what about a minute eight they Seymour missed a shot in the paint that was an offensive rebound Harrison missed a three-pointer then Jalen Haynes got a rebound and at that point I thought with 57 seconds go to the rim he kicks out to King who takes about a 24 foot contested three and I thought maybe that was a little bit of panic for ETSU because it's only a Four-point game. Right. You had a chance, I think, to be aggressive. I think on the rebound that Harrison got was a long carom, and then he just took a, a dribble and, you know, one step backwards and was firing a three. But then on the Haynes rebound, I really – and I know he had just missed a, a, a shot a minute or so before that, but I really wish he would have just gone up and tried to make a play because at that – that point it's a two-point game of 42 give or take was and actually that would have been a uh, 55 to 52 second range give or take if if he hits it or get, gets fouled it's free throw now you're down two 55 seconds you, you can try to play defense you don't necessarily have to foul you play defense you can do a lot you right. you know there's a lot of different things but then you know you have to foul it's the one thing about chattanooga pretty good free throw shooting team they knock both down now all of a sudden instead of maybe down two you're down six you know, and then they run a, a play for, for Illich to, to try to get a shot, you know, with 34 seconds because you're down a couple scores, and then it just escalates. And there's a lot of other points in the game. I mean, again, I felt like there was a little bit of deflation um, when Haynes did miss that, that shot with about two minutes, 2.20 to go, where you could kind of feel like, oh, he got a great look, he made a great move, and it just, for whatever reason, the ball rattled and, and then didn't go down. It wasn't like he shorted it. It wasn't like he missed left or right. You know, it's a little jump hook, it rattles, and it, and it just didn't go. And it's one of, one of those things. But I thought that was that was big. The other one was um, I think Seymour had to switch and was guarding White. Mm-hmm. And 
the bench is yelling hand up hand up and he had his hands down and white just you know just drilled one right over him yeah yeah i thought that was the you know one defensive play one offensive play now there were you know throughout the game there there were plenty of opportunities bucks again couldn't convert on a fast break there was uh a time i think where three tissue players fought each other for a rebound knocked it out of bounds so it went as a team rebound for chattanooga and they ended up scoring so that, there's a lot of things but i just i don't i don't know the team looks way different on the road they don't have as many mistakes i know the mercer game they had a lot of missed layups and missed free throws but for the most part they don't have some of the mental lapses that we have seen uh, on the road this year than, than we've seen at home and and that has led to the eight game skid in uh, freedom hall and certainly for chattanooga you know they you knew they would kind of figure out life without jake stevens you were kind of hoping, or I was kind of hoping, it would be game five or six as opposed to game three. Right. But they figured out game three. And I'll tell you, they, they made a couple errors, too. Like We did not see Grant Ledford, who could not um, even tell a joke to Jalen Haynes as he drove by him the whole time. You know, there were a couple <laughs> different substitution things they didn't quite do. They made a conscious effort to try to get Jamal Johnson going because he did not have a good first game against ETSU. I think he just had six points in that first uh, meeting. He ends up hitting a, a couple of threes, mm-hmm. uh, 12 points for him. Uh, you know, Jamal Walker was another weird one that they couldn't stay on the floor. Every time Jamal Walker gets the ball, he's going to pump fakes and a pump fakes and a pump fakes and a pump fake. Eventually somebody jumps, and then he kind of draws a foul. And he did that to the tune of six free throws in which, mm-hmm. again, the staff is yelling, don't jump, don't jump, stay on the floor because you know it's what he's going to do. And then ETSU just not able, not able to stay on the floor, uh, which was a little – uh, disappointing, but the 12 threes, I mean, you let a team shoot 52% from three and hit 12 of them on the day, it's it's just it's just going to be tough. And, to and despite that, I mean, they when did they crack 70 in the game? When did Chattanooga get to 70? Uh, that would have been free throws of like, I don't know, 30 seconds? Let me see. 42 seconds. 42 seconds. So for 39 minutes of that game, they held them under 70 points. Despite shooting 12 threes, despite hitting 12 threes, I mean, you got to hit shots at the end of it all. You got to score. And and ETSU missed too many layups, too many shots in general. Um, and this is just, this is that's been this team in a lot of ways this year is you got one or two guys you can rely on offensively on any given night. And then the rest is... What's going to happen? What is you know what matchups present themselves over the course of the game? What opportunities present themselves over the course of the game? But this team, I don't know that they've really found the shot maker that they've been able to go to consistently that can get them points um, the way that they need to. And usually that player on a, a mid-major team is a guard. Um, I just don't know. I mean, we all hoped that player would be Jordan King, and I think at times he has been that player. Um, but defenses are also able to neutralize him because there's not a whole lot around him. So they double him or they close him out fast. Uh, you know, I mean, they've seen teams meet him at midcourt and leave a defender in his hip pocket all night. Like, just adamant that they will not give him the space to get off any kind of jump shot. So, I just, I, just, I think it comes back to not having the personnel that you need to win these matchups when things don't go perfectly. 
And those personnel are typically the guys that, 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 that this team is missing. Those personnel are the, the shot makers. I think you've got a great front line. Um, you know, Desmond Oliver made a point of that last year. He said, hey, I want my front line to be better. So in addition to Seymour, which I think Seymour has gotten better from the additions of Haynes and Taylor, um, Jalen Haynes has made the front line better. Josh Taylor, when he was healthy, made the front line better. And even when he was between injuries, you know, he came back from a concussion. He played what, one game. He played the Citadel game. And then he breaks his wrist going up on a dunk because he got fouled. And even in that one game against the Citadel, you were like, yeah, this guy's going to make an impact for us. This guy's going to make a difference for us because he made an impact in that game. Um, ETSU just hasn't had what they've needed this year. Um, you know, you put yourself in a position where you need a lot from one or two guys and once the other team figures that out and they find a way to take those one or two guys away what's your next step like we were just talking about with the women the women have a counter to everything right now the women have a counter to everything you try to take away from them it's like okay we can get it here and we can reliably execute this 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 to get back around to the matchup that we want with say Giselle Thomas when a team neutralizes Jalen Haynes or Jordan King there's not really much for them to go to this, 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 this to have a counter for every single thing that a defense tries to throw at them. Four home games, four road games, and ETSU still has to play at Sanford. Yep. At Furman. At UNCG. <laughs> and then they got UNCG at home um, as well. So you mm-hmm. got two more with UNCG. And they got Wofford, who is – the, you know, one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Furman, obviously, um, the hottest in the league. And ETSU is going to have a, a little bit shorter turnaround on, on the road swing. Cause Saturday, and you have to go to Cullowee as well. Yeah, I didn't win there last year. so no. That's um, a, That is a tough place for this team to win historically for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know if it's the drive. I don't know if there's something in the atmosphere down there or what. But it just... Cullowee is, it's a it's a vortex of uncertainty. It's a twilight zone that exists in the heart of the Southern Conference. I don't know. Well, they got Wofford Wednesday. We'll preview that on Wednesday, ETSU and Wofford. And then uh, on Thursday, we'll recap the Wofford game. We'll talk about ETSU on the road at Samford. And then the Tuesday road game, not the Wednesday. It's the only time they're not playing on Wednesday. Due to uh, some TV, ESPNU will have that game, ETSU and UNCG. All right, so basketball or not? I, I got I got one more thing. One more. I just this has been such a weird year. It's been a weird year in the SoCon. It's been a weird weird year. I, I'm gonna I want I'm just gonna give you five teams. Okay, just five teams: Alabama, Arizona, Tennessee, Purdue, Houston. Mm. What do those five teams have in common? What do those five teams have in common? It's not that complicated. Uh, a good team. They're all in the top five of the AP poll this week. Oh. Purdue is the number one team in the country. Tennessee, Houston, Bama, Arizona. And then it's Virginia, Kansas State, Kansas, UCLA, and Texas is your top 10. Iowa State's 13th. TCU is 15th. Uh, St. Mary's is 18th. 
Florida Atlantic is 19th. Just a weird year. Just a weird, weird year. With full of weird, wild stuff. Isn't that right, Ed? Oh, I just... oh Johnny Carson there for a second. I like Johnny. Okay. Weird, wild stuff. That's it. You are correct, sir. You want to talk mystery? You want to see if he's let's, out there? Let's meet our mystery guest. Trump. Trudeau. Trick Daddy. Tram, the insult comic dog. Who's next? I don't know what's going to happen. The secrets. There it is. Are you sure? Are you sure you're ready for this, Keith? I'm ready for our mystery guest. I, I think it is time to lift the veil on our mystery guest. I tried to. Mm-hmm. And you yelled at me. Yes, then because you went I back. wanted I wanted him to have this moment. And then you bleeped out everything I said. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Because we have a very special guest. Probably don't bleep you out enough, to be honest. Yes, that's fair, too. Um, or just cut me off, one of the two. Just cut. I just did that, so you I'll probably cut. should do that more. Yeah, that's fair. We or, should probably do that to each other more, to be honest. Better flow of the show. Yeah, Shorten things up, for sure. That would be an easier listen. So, just to set the scene... I was walking down the hallway last week, ran into player, which we'll throw out here in a second, so you at least know it's a player, at least gave that much away. But I was like, hey, man, what's up? What's happening? We started talking, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to know. I want to talk to you on the podcast if you'll come on. He said yes, and so that's how this got started. And now, without further ado, quarterback number two, Tyler Rydell, the mystery guest, is sitting in the hot seat. Tyler, what's up? How's it going? Happy to be here, man. Well, that's gone, good. That's gone good. too long. Uh, you found my new office, so I'm happy about <laughs> that because, uh, you know, used to come by, we'd hang out, and, uh, you know, then, then you forgot about me for four months. It's okay. I didn't cry or nothing. Uh, that's right. A lot of things change around here. I didn't forget about you. Yeah, all right. Well, let's talk about this. I ran into your hallway, and, of course, the number one question, because you had put your name in the portal, but I see you in the hallway. I'm like, hey, man, what what's going on? What's happening with yourself? Where are you at right now? As of now, I'm returning to ETSU. You know, I'm happy to be back. Uh, did put my name in the portal, but um, wasn't so much looking for a new opportunity to go play somewhere. I was actually going to be done playing football, um, but I decided, and coaches helped me decide that my time playing isn't up, uh, especially my time at ETSU. You know, there's still a lot more to get done here. There's a lot more that can be done here, so... I returned. So a little bit of the conversation you had with yourself, your family, whoever's involved in your decision-making was I'm putting my name in, but I'm not necessarily maybe even going to play anymore. And so that entered your mind, and you had to decide maybe first if you were wanting to play more, right? And then if you didn't play, what were you going to do? So, yeah, correct. Towards the end, not even towards the end, about mid December, I realized that I probably didn't want to play anymore, so I started turning coaches away. A lot of interest that I had, um, and I was going to return. I was going to GA. I was going to finish my degree, graduate in May, 
and then GA on the coaching staff. Therefore, my master's would still be paid for. Hopefully, I'd get into coaching from there because I think that's something that I'd like to do. Um, and I wouldn't mind doing it here because uh, I truly think ETSU is a special place as far as the environment, uh, just the whole game day experience. It's not something I want to get away from yet, but I just thought coaching – at that time, I thought it was going to be coaching that I was going to be doing here. So I guess that ultimately leads to the question of you had in your mind that you were prepared to walk away from football. What changed your mind to make you decide that you wanted to come back and, and give it one more one more good shot and compete again? Um, the Some coaching changes really persuaded me to come back. Uh, the dude now is someone I got a real close relationship with, and ever since I got here and he came down to Tampa and recruited me, it's we were always going to stick together. Eventually, this is how it was going to play out. We didn't know how, but we thought it'd play out like this, and the opportunity arose, and I'd be silly to pass it up. Well, let's talk about a little bit last year because there was obviously new offense, new learning curve things like that talk about maybe what you know about the we're going to have coach corals on just for your knowledge we're going to have him on uh next couple podcasts one we're going to talk about you know signing day recruiting transfers all that good fun stuff (laughs) and then we're going to spend the next um podcast talking coaching changes who's in who's out what positions is that another we're going to ask him the same questions and i've already prepped him he knows we're going to be asking this but you know last year's offense very different it was a different offense coordinator Coach Neugebauer is not here anymore. Talk about what you know about the offense and how much did or did that not factor into you coming back. Um, That's tough because last year I put a lot of the blame on me last year. Uh, I know it was a new offense and stuff, but I made a lot of mistakes that weren't like me and I didn't play much like myself. So I put all the blame on myself. Um. Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to speak on the new offense that we're going to be running. So I guess I well, you can defer. I, we'll have coach on. I ask him the question. That's fair. You know, you don't want to let the cat out of the bag before the big guy yeah, does. Yeah, so that, yeah. that that's fine. Maybe an unfair question by me on on that regard. I just don't want to get myself in trouble. So you had a tight relationship, or probably still do, with with Will Huzzy. How much did that play into uh as far as i know both of you are are back on the roster because i see will walking around the hallway so i'm assuming he's back as well correct yes he is back um we're very close he was actively trying to get me to come back once he had made his mind up he was going to come back and that persuaded me a little bit you know he's an easy target he's easy to throw to and then just the relationship we have outside of football uh really helps that so but definitely played a factor when you think about you know a program that has a lot of guys go in the portal all at once, that can have a really negative effect on the culture in the locker room because you know it it starts to become a little bit of if especially if it if it kind of all falls apart, it becomes every man for himself, right? And that's not necessarily any one guy's fault. Y'all gonna make the decisions that's that's in your best interest, but at the same time, uh, seeing guys come back can be a really positive thing. Do do you think that making this decision now? Uh, makes you part of the solution at ETSU for a team that just went three and eight. Uh, I would hope so. I would hope I'd be able to play a and play a role in getting us back on the winning side of things. Um, and people leaving, uh, I'm not 
talking about them directly, but when people leave your program, you know, it could help. Um, they could be a cancer or whatnot. Now, some of the guys we had leave, that's not the case. But uh, it, it won't hurt to get new faces in here. And those people went on to do better things. So just wish them luck, uh, especially my roommate, Elijah Huzzy. I'm going to miss him, but he's going to do good things. Have you met any of the new guys on offense yet, Slusher or Borish or any of them? I have. I've been working out with them. Uh, there's a couple, to my understanding, that are committed signed but aren't here yet so those i'll be reaching out to i haven't uh talked to them yet but i will be what impresses you about some of the new guys um i mean they all have a hard work ethic uh, i believe zach from idaho i really yep. liked his film i liked his film a lot um and i'm not in his workout group so i don't see him work out much and obviously we haven't hit the field yet but I know if Coach Corals is bringing them in here, then they're going to be good for the program. If you have any interest in judo, he's your guy. Say that again? Judo, like the martial arts. He used to train with Misha Tate. I'll beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quarterback talking right there. That's the competitor talking. <laughs> well, it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it won't be long before you'll be you know, throwing the ball around. And I'll say this, there is some questions on the offensive line. I know they're, they're you know, one guy's – signed here and other guys coming when he graduates are still looking maybe for one more piece or still some guys coming off injury you know yep. uh, Braxton Ship, Chris Everhart some of those going but for the most part you know with Will Huzzy coming back about all the receivers are back or at least the ones that saw quality minutes the ones you threw to the most both tight ends are back guys you thrown with a lot and then for the running backs you know there were some that got in other than Boris really a lot of the running backs are still going to be the same one in the room. How much does that help just the continuity, even if their scheme is changing or – but just the fact that all of you guys have played at least, uh, in some cases, three years together, but a majority of you guys have played at least two seasons together. Yeah, that definitely helps um, as we continue to grow our relationship, you know, and, and bring in the guys that just got here. and It definitely helps. Take me back because we I don't know that we had you on when you know the year before you know uh, when we went twelve and two or if we did I forgot so but uh, just talk about sort of going through that run the last year because you came in I think twenty nineteen right so twenty nineteen was your first year and that was right after the twenty eighteen team had. Uh, one share of conference championship, but right. they, they won the tiebreaker, so the automatic qualifier went to the playoffs. Really high hopes, and then it was like you couldn't make up things that happened with some of the injuries. It just, especially at the QB position, there was a lot that kind of turned over. Then you kind of make it through the COVID year, which was odd, and ETSU was really a game away from winning the championship and had a chip on your shoulder. Take us through kind of the, the Mercer loss chip on your shoulder going into the next year which was obviously the, the one of the greatest, not the greatest uh, team in school history. Yeah, so that spring season, like you said, we were probably one game short of the championship, and that just left a sour taste in our mouth. You know, we didn't want that to happen again. Uh, so the only thing you can do is go to work. You know, you can, you can talk as much as you want, but the only thing that's going to show itself is the work you put in. And um, like you said, 2019 was, wasn't a good year at all. Uh, Similar to last year, minus coaching changes, you know, we were just a bad team. So it shows it can be done. Um, and we weren't 
blown out of games last year. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I made mistakes in multiple games that hurt us. So we're not as far behind as it may seem. Um, but nothing's going to talk as hard as the work will. How how much does it take to put some of those plays out of your mind? Because, I mean, when you watch a game, when I watch a game, when Jay watches a game, sometimes there are moments that just they stick with you for a really long time. And I would imagine when you're the guy that does something that's right or something that's wrong, you know, that that's something that sticks with you for a long time and it can cloud you in the moment trying to move forward. How do you move past some of those mistakes that you're talking about to get back to making the plays that we're used to seeing you make? Yeah, um, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that lets, lets the previous play affect his next, you know, but um, I just got to make sure I'm confident in what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing putting myself and the offense as a whole in the right place. And I think those mistakes won't happen anymore as far as I do that. You know what I want to do? I think this would be fun. Uh, if we go back uh, at some point and do a watch-along where we watch the last, you know, little bit of the Mercer game uh, offensively and you walk me through everything. And then uh, same thing with uh, uh, Kennesaw State and walk me through – kind of everything because there was some things there like I still wonder there was a fourth down conversion in Kennesaw State where you're looking right you gotta look left and, and finally the last second Fine. you hit Quay, Quay. Yep. who how in the world he was that wide open <laughs> for you know and he's he's trying to like wave at you but yet not do jumping jacks to draw attention and he's just kind of I asked him about that and he said well I went over I looked around there was nobody around me and I was like I don't I don't think T.Y. is going to see me and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, he saw me and then you know, you, you bust the big play, and you know, and then you get the onside kick, and then you go right back down. And of course, the two point play will will live forever. Uh, but <laughs> I would love to do a, a watch on. I did this with uh, Coach Stork. Oh, okay. Uh, when because uh, um, I'm a you know Patriot fan, and yeah. so the Seattle, you know, they had a couple of drives in the fourth quarter to take the lead before the Malcolm Butler play, and so I had him walk me through all of like the plays, and, and it was just uh, fascinating. One to, you know, the recollection. And I asked, you know, for him, I was like, yeah, what are the play calls? I won't ask that. But yeah. Just kind of, you know, what are we doing here? What's going on? What are you looking at? What happened? I would love to do um, a watch along and then put that out there for Buck Nation. I think they would find it. And maybe we have to wait to your to your done playing. That way we don't give away too many secrets. But uh, <laughs> maybe one of those deals. Tyler, let's talk about this real quick. Because um, I find this uh, college, ever-changing college athletic landscape uh, challenging for everybody. It's challenging uh, for you guys with the the portal and all that stuff, and then you throw in NIL and all these other things that are going around. And I think there's a, still a change where some of the people are like, you know, these guys are on scholarship. That's enough. They get the education paid for. They get all this. And I think every situation is unique. And I want to turn to what your Sundays look like last year after playing a game. Because I'm assuming when you get done playing a game on Saturday, you know, it's a lot of ice baths. It's a lot of watching film. It's a lot of this. Um, But I would be incorrect for you. You would. So what did you do on Sundays (laughs) after you just got off a bus ride from uh, Macon, Georgia? Uh, so we'll probably get back around making probably get back around 2 a.m. Maybe mm-hmm. from there I'm I'm going I'm going home I'm going to sleep. That's good to hear. There, <laughs> all right. I gotta be up at 6:30. Okay, I got work okay. at seven. 
Okay, work. So, so you're coming in, you're getting some reps, you're reading, uh, watching the film, that type of work? No, wrong work. So, Sundays last year we had off, for the most part, unless you needed treatment and whatnot. Sure. So, I pay my own car insurance and whatnot. So, I took my Sundays last year, I worked at Kroger, early in the morning, 7 a.m., because I got stuff to pay, right? So... Um, 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 did, um, did anybody recognize you? Like, are you stocking shelves? What, 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 what I, are you doing? Yeah, uh, I get recognized all the time because I am on the shelves in the aisles. Uh, I have regular people. I have people who regularly come up to me. Uh, they know, like fans. You mm-hmm. know, they know I'm going to be there at this time Sunday. Um, so they'll bring me like newspapers, or uh, <laughs> I'll have to sign them. Uh, one time I signed a hat, and um, another time I was asked to bring in my ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, championship ring yeah. the next Sunday, cool. so I mean, yeah, I definitely get recognized. My managers try to tell me to make sure I'm working the whole right. time. Sure, you know? sure, sure. But I mean, I'm you, not. You don't want to make the other baggers upset that they're not getting all the love that you're getting. Yeah, I mean, but if someone comes up to me, I'm not gonna blow them off. I just, sure. I don't have that in me. I take time out of my day to talk to them. At, at some point, I feel like that's a feature, right? It's like, hey, Tyler's working the shelves today. Let's go say hey. Let's <laughs> see him on Sunday. Yeah, there's this... Um, uh, I don't, I'll say I'll say it. There's this one guy who will come see me, and then um, he'll leave, change, and come back. <laughs> and oftentimes bring his wife with him. I mean, it's pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I think people just think sometimes because they hear, you know, the Florida quarterback was going to get $13 million or they're getting this. <laughs> back. I mean, there are certainly different outlier things. But for mid-major, you know, FCS, college football, and, and, and throw a dart in any other uh, sport. You know, soccer's are partial scholarships. Volleyball's are partial scholarships. It's not – unusual to go to a restaurant around and have a student athlete working that maybe these people don't know are student athletes working jobs while they're a full-time student while they're a full-time athlete in season uh, sometimes having to work so I, I i wanted to get that story out just to kind of let people know like hey this is um you know there's a reason why some of the nil stuff I think is important. There is stuff I think it can get overboard with, but why I think some of that is important because if you sign said ball and somebody goes sells the ball, you know, they made money off you for you just being there and being a nice guy and stocking shelves. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's eventually going to get down to, and those are stories too, because yes, there, there are college athletes that come from means and don't have to worry about that. And there are college athletes that don't, and there's everybody's situations different. Um, you know, I had several jobs. I went to military because of, mm-hmm. uh, my mother and her illness and I could not, at the time, uh, afford college. So I try to preach that to, to everybody that sometimes these student athletes, they just hear it in the training table and you get all this, you get all that. And yeah, there are some advantages and it gets there, but I just never, I, I think when people think, Hey man, Tyler and the Bucks had a tough loss and, you know, I wonder what they're doing. And, you know, and here you are at 7am while they're still sleeping it off. You're, you're stocking shelves. And I think that says something about your work ethic too and how, yeah, what type of work uh, ethic you're going to be able to carry over not just this college football season but moving forward it's hard to to show up to work at 7 a.m knowing i'm going to see people who follow etsu football after playing a bad game you know it's kind of it's just hard because you know they have questions and i feel like i let people down and i don't 
necessarily believe in just giving players millions of dollars or you know I think NIL has got to be figured out a little bit better than that mm-hmm. I do understand that you got to be a playmaker you know they're not going to give anyone money but I don't think players should just be thrown millions you know because like the ones who are unfortunate have an unfortunate upbringing you know what are they going to do with that money okay if we're going to give them a lot of money now we need to supply com- some kind of advisor or right. teach, someone who educate. Could teach them yeah sure right. get, get them you know make sure it's not you know blown through i know when um tony skull our baseball coach for a long time uh he now is at citadel's alma mater his nephew was a first round draft pick mm. and his older brother uh was a, a third baseman catcher at georgia tech yep. actually uh Got a cup of coffee, uh, hit a home run, and I think his first ever game for the White Sox. But he yelled at his little brother and said, "Don't go buy a car, or something stupid." <laughs> you know, put the money away, figure it out, man. You, you can do all this other stuff. So, I think there does need to be a lot of education. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a lot of things that we can look at. Tyler, we're, we're kind of coming to the end here. Um, you've been through the good of ETSU football. You've been through the bad, and you have definitely been through the weird. <laughs> of ETSU football over the years. I think you've experienced just about everything that there is to experience. So what is it that makes this place special? What, when this team is good, what makes it good? And how do you recapture that to give the SoCon hell in 2023? The place that makes this, this ETS, the thing that makes ETSU special is it's simple. It's just the, the fans and the support around ETSU athletics. I know there's a lot of uh, not so good attention on it right now, you know, because things haven't been what they, what, what, what people want. But if you go to a, a game day for almost any of our athletic programs, there's a there's a there's a good turnout, and you're not gonna find that at much other um, FCS schools. So yeah, man, this place is special, and I won't let anybody tell me otherwise. Honestly, that's what I love to hear. Of course, I've been here a long time. <laughs> Same thing. People say, "Why didn't you leave?" Because I love it. I would, I would, I wouldn't mind returning here after I graduate. You know, find something to do. I mean, I just did it, so yeah, it, that's it, right. It, it can work out for you. I don't nice. have to coach, but I want to be involved with game days. You know, whether I want to be important to people. What is it about this game that just gets in your blood? Like everybody that I hear that that plays football just never wants to give up with it. It's like you will pry this game from my cold, lifeless hands. Like it's just there's such an intense passion for the game from guys that put on the helmets. What What is it that draws you out? Uh, I mean, game days are just a feeling you can't experience doing anything else, if that makes any sense, you know. And this family atmosphere between the team and you're basically brothers. There's nothing else like it. And I think that's why people – fight to stay involved with it and want to coach all their lives because they always I always hear people say who can't play anymore they'd give an arm or a leg to play and they can't so now they have to involve themselves with the game however they can and the easiest way to do that is coaching you know let me ask this because you said brothers and family and you use those keywords are are you in some way an honorary hussy because you're, you're like very good <laughs> You and Will are tight like boys. Your roommate was Elijah. Are you an honorary hussy? I, I would like to think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it's not up for you. I guess i got to ask them. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close with Elijah's family, you know. So I'd like to think so. I, I, I think they're family. Hopefully they think the same of me. The honorary hussy. 
Colorado. <laughs> cousin Tyler. <laughs> That has a ring to it. Cousin Tyler. Oh, Cousin Tyler. Well, Tyler, we appreciate you uh, dropping the news for the Buck Nation. I've been asked a lot. Um, you know, just, just like you, whenever I'm out and about, I get a thousand questions on things, and you are one of the topics. You're the man. And Will, well, see, I, I, I did not pay him for that, by the way. No. I, no. Did, I did pass him in class one time, though. So. <laughs> no, I, 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 saw, I saw the video at Freedom Hall where you slipped Jordan King a 20 for calling him the best podcaster. Uh-oh. I mean. I'm about to get in trouble. Uh, no, it's fine. No, it, it, it was it was seen by three thousand of Jay's best friends. Jordan also sang in that. He did. He did. Can you can you sing? You singer at all? No, mm, not me. Oh no, okay. I think he's a poet. Aren't you a poet? Uh, not close. You don't, you don't dabble. You don't dabble in a little poetry. No, okay. no, no, no. You're in a good place Can't, for it if you do. Candle making, walks on the beach, something. Uh, no? I got a dog. I really love my dog. Hey, that's a good stu- enough, that's good that's good enough place to go. That's good enough place to start. Good enough place to end. All right, Tyler. Well, let's get going. How about we catch up maybe at the end of spring practice? Sounds good. All right, that's my guy Tyler. Yeah, man, it's good to have him back. I think he's gonna. I think that's that's really kind of a a turning point in what could have been a really tumultuous offseason for ETSU. I'm really optimistic about the the, the state of things with the football program right now. I also enjoy that Will Huzzy was the first to come back and then uh, did a little recruiting himself. Yeah, kind of kind of ride or die, brothers. If you know so uh, Tyler wants to be a coach someday. Uh, he already has experience with a lot of different aspects of recruiting. They does that, and uh, apparently is not afraid to work long hours, uh, apparently, with his uh, Kroger deals. That's going to serve him well in football as well. All right, that's it for today's show. Wednesday pod. Uh, later this week, we're going to hear from Neve Brown, but uh, Wednesday we're going to talk mainly ETSU men's hoops against Wofford on the Jay and Keith Show on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Oh, you got to be kidding me.